Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the newborn phoenix of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who would give a lot for an hour in Dumbledore's office. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts BJ and Spencer. How y'all doing? I'd give a lot for five more pages in Dumbledore's office. <laughs> I know, all too brief and short at the beginning of this chapter. Yep. It, it was where the last chapter ended with just the taunt of, oh, we're finally going to see Dumbledore's office. And it's like two pages. It's We get some descriptions of the room and Fox, who I want to spend more time mm-hmm. with. And then suddenly it's just, you have anything to tell me? No? Okay, we're done. <laughs> we don't even end the scene. It just ends with him saying, I don't have anything more to tell you. Yeah. Um, I, Harry's difficult. <laughs> Yeah. Talk with people. That's the recurring lesson for all of these books. How many problems can be solved if you just be willing to speak with others? So when you imagined Dumbledore's claw-footed desk, did you think of, like, a desk that has that's claw-footed like tubs are claw-footed? Or did you imagine, like, a legit claw, like an eagle claw? Claw. Claws. Okay. Yeah, I'm I, in the same boat. Anything's on the table here. <laughs> Um, so we have a couple of segments that we are going to go through in this, the 12th chapter of the second book of Harry Potter, um, the Polyjuice Potion. And so I have a rapid fire recap. Um, BJ, I am fascinated to know what you are going to bring to the table today. You're going to be unhappy. It's okay. Okay. Um, then we have some newbies notes from Spencer. We do some house points Mm -hmm. and then there are questions and queries that we quibble about. I don't know. I'll work on it. Um, <laughs> are we ready for a recap? Let's do it. I believe so. Uh, I think you suggested before uh, we, we got on air that you could actually do this one in significantly less than two minutes. I think so. I think so. Okay. Well, my giant novelty timer is ready to go. Excellent. So Harry is in Dumbledore's office, looking at all sorts of oddities, including the sorting hat. Not being able to resist putting it on to ask a few questions, he's horrified when the hat tells him that he actually would have done well in Slytherin. But Harry is soon distracted by the ancient bird behind him that bursts into flames, just as Dumbledore walks in. It's Fox the Phoenix's burning day, and uh, he pops up as a chick from the ashes. Speaking of popping up, Hagrid bursts in, swinging a dead rooster, hollering that Harry can't have petrified Nick and Justin because he had just seen him. Doesn't, or Dumbledore doesn't think it was Harry. Everyone calms down, but Harry isn't ready to tell Dumbledore everything. We cut to Christmas-ish. Harry, Ron, Hermione, Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle are all staying at Hogwarts. A perfect polyjuice potion prospect. But Harry and Ron still need bits of whoever they're turning into. Hermione got hers off the robes of another Slytherin at the dueling club Melee, so post-Christmas feast, they leave sleeping draft-filled chocolate cakes for Crab and Goyle to find. Shockingly, this works. Their marks pass out. Harry and Ron get some hairs, and they stash Crab and Goyle in a broom cupboard. They go back to Myrtle's bathroom, all take a stall, drop in the hairs, and slug back the potion. Not a pleasant process, but Harry ends up as Goyle, Ron ends up as Crab, and Hermione refuses to leave her stall. No time for that now, they're on the clock. Harry and Ron run into Percy and are rescued by 
by Malfoy, who takes them back to the Slytherin common room. We learn that Ron's dad was fined over the flying Ford Anglia, which was pretty much Lucius Malfoy's doing. Harry and Ron do some pretty C-rate probing about the Chamber of Secrets. Malfoy has no idea who opened it, but the last time it was open, a muggle-born died. And whoever opened the chamber was caught, expelled, and sent to Azkaban. Oh, and Malfoy's dad is hiding a bunch of dark art stuff under the drawing room floor. <laughs> but time's up. Harry and Ron have to hightail it out of there. They go back to Myrtle, or they go back to the bathroom. Myrtle is delighted. Hermione used cat hair in her potion. Wow. Damn. With like 12 seconds extra to spare, you had that one down. Ooh. Well, I've been getting a little lax the last couple of episodes, Spencer. <laughs> had, to, had to tighten up. <laughs> Took it on the chin. We understand. <laughs> So um, that's uh, the more salient points of, of what we're doing here in this chapter. Um, BJ, what wizard wheezes do you have for us? I have very little this chapter. Um, it, this is not, honestly, there is more alliteration and wordplay in your summary than there was in the chapter itself, which I did thoroughly appreciate. Just just trying mm-hmm. to get keep you on board here, BJ. Um, so the one thing that I kind of have to do comment on is... I, I understand that the uh, some of the innuendo and wordplay may not be 100% purposeful, but Hagrid wanders into Dumbledore's office and starts waving around his um, rooster. His cock, if you will. I wasn't going to and <laughs> won't. You, you can but, count on me. But, but I do appreciate your, your thr- throwing, uh, throwing that out there, Spencer. I'm here for you. Um, as just like, uh, if J.K. Rowling didn't know what she was doing, I'm I'm very disappointed in her as a writer. I would imagine that she knows exactly what she was doing. Of course, yeah. Um, this also comes right on the heel. Uh, one of my favorite thing about things about the Sorting Hat is that it seems to just think up hat-related puns. Oh yes. Was Be there... in your bonnet is the first thing <laughs> yes. that it asks, Sarah. Yes. So, so Although that, I guess that you have a lot, lot of time fun. if you're a hat. So. Yes. Um, <laughs> especially one that gets put on essentially once a year. Um, I also mm-hmm. kind of want to imagine that Dumbledore just has weird conversations with it every so often. <laughs> that, um, yeah. Especially just like because it's way too big and he just like, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to put the sorting hat on my head and it's going to talk at me and I'm going to talk at it. And then like I'll fall asleep and it's fine. I like the idea of the sorting hat doing some like ASMR for for Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, um, that's pretty much all I have other than the kind of my my amusement of how the polyjuice potion actually works and it working exactly how it's supposed to work and everybody being super surprised about that (laughs) and kind of not being like Hermione not being careful about like what goes into it was um not in character but I guess a bit of humor for the chapter Mm -hmm. yeah I mean she's she's still 12 everybody makes mistakes the hair was there didn't know she had a cat these things happen I guess. I guess. <laughs> I mean, Spencer, I, like, I, you, you have a sincere disdain for, for all things pets, but, like, you can usually tell cat hair from basically anything else. Having had many cats over the years, I could tell their hair even years afterwards if I was finding, like, old sweaters or something. Well, Hermione so, is not enough. yet a cat person. D- does Hermione... Actually, I guess I can raise this later, but I don't know if Hermione even has a familiar. <laughs> I guess I'll come up later. Yeah, familiars it, seem to be, like, a very random thing in this world that, that I think we discussed, like, 
four or five episodes ago that like some people get familiar some people don't everybody sort of has owls and there doesn't seem to be any point to familiars other than they're entertaining no i mean like (laughs) they really get discussed as they're they're really just pets (laughs) (laughs) poorly treated pets but pets yeah (laughs) owls have the advantage of delivering mail but cats and rats i mean they don't really do anything yeah and frogs and it was also interesting because like it felt like when harry was deciding on a familiar that that was like a necessary thing like the house that you're going to be in yeah Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are are just not not unlike spencer (laughs) not animal people hate hate pets fair enough (laughs) i look down and i see the rabbit asleep on my feet yeah totally (laughs) with disdain and a little bit of hatred but you see it there did the thought ca- cross my mind of, ki- of punting him? Maybe, but he's there. Um, Spencer, what newbies notes do you have? Well, like you guys, I adore the fact the Sorting Hat and Dumbledore are roommates. I can, <laughs> I would love to be able to sit in and just see the talks they have. I now apparently need to look up fan fiction of Sorting Hat, Dumbledore, ASM- ASMR, but I can only imagine that the two of them have a, have a blast just being snarky with each other. Uh, as shown by the fact that the hat seems to delight in just messing with Harry. <laughs> That Harry went here for the sole purpose of talking with his hat to be reassured that he was totally meant to be in Gryffindor. The hat knows this, and doubles down that on the fact he would have done well in Slytherin. This hat just enjoys messing with Harry. Uh, I really enjoy that the phoenix is named Fox, because a guy fox in reference to, Bert, to the <laughs> bonfire knight is just delightfully British. I, like I said early, expected a hell of a lot more out of our first Dumbledore interaction in this book, and like, the first Dumbledore interactions in a while. Uh, I had a lot of hopes from the last chapter we'd be able to spit a bit of time with him, but instead we get a repeat of a lot of the conversations that have happened between Harry and Dumbledore, of where Dumbledore gives Harry a chance to spill the plot and get him involved, and Harry chooses not to. Again, a lot of our problems could be solved if we'd just be willing to talk with each other. I, it's become very apparent for both these books now that Hermione, while Hermione won't necessarily decide what the plot's going to be, she's the one that makes it happen. Because none of this Polyjuice plan could have worked at all if she didn't continually tell Ron and Harry what needed to be done, and also what needed not to be done. That between her being the only one to apparently realize that clothes needed to be changed, because the people you're turning into are vastly different in size, between her being the one that coordinates exactly who's going to do what in any given moment, between her who prepares the damn potion, none of this plan could have worked if it wasn't for her. Doesn't mean it's a good plan. Doesn't mean it didn't depend on a monstrous amount of just sheer luck and them just hoping they'll acquire necessary information to make it happen, but she's clearly the one that made it possible. The most uh, ridiculous part of this whole thing, also two things very quickly. One, with all of this going on, it's no wonder that she made the one very small mistake of <laughs> uh, <laughs> not uh, checking the hairs. Um, <laughs> but two, the most just infuriating part of this whole plan when Harry and Ron have to go on without her is that they don't know where the Slytherin common room is. Yeah, that's the, that is one of the things they had to have done before. They should have done beforehand. Why on God's green earth wouldn't you spend the last two months stouting that place? Yeah, you so, had time. I think that the other side of this that I could totally see Harry and Ron doing is just like, all right, like, we'll do this at some point and we'll figure it out and like once you know it's ready we'll we'll go from there and then all of a sudden Hermione's like all right it's ready let's do it and they're just like oh all right (laughs) like I guess I I guess we'll do it live Um, yeah 
I also picture Harry and Ron being very much the kind of student that just waits for Hermione to prepare her notes and just copies her notes. I think mm-hmm. in some ways they're just kind of relying on her to make everything happen and going with that flow. Yeah. Yeah. And with her distracted on the potion and doing literally everything else, but there it, were some things that they could have helped with. Also, their interrogation skills were, were a little bit um, subpar. But yeah. <laughs> I, I do have a, a, a thought... And and I, I guess it'll take a while to see if it comes to fruition. But how much of Harry Potter is kind of like um, the Lost Ark, where the main characters make absolutely no difference in in the f- outcome of the plot? <laughs> Just the mere fact that they survived is enough of a resolution of the plot. Basically, kind of went on without. Them. I mean, our, the last book was Dumbledore had everything in hand, and <laughs> n- basically. Everything that happened to everybody in Hogwarts was character development, and that's about yeah. it. <laughs> it. I mean, it's apparent that though Dumbledore doesn't teach class, he finds ways of making character lessons happen in the most interesting of ways. And yeah, that's the main role that they played, is that they got to watch the plot happen and play a role in being there to watch it happen. But yeah, the main goal here was Dumbledore's going to fix things, but he's going to help you grow up in the process. I will tell you to your question, BJ, um, since we are, as of this chapter, the end of this chapter, over two-thirds of the way through this book, um, that this this book, things happen in the <laughs> sprint to the end that absolutely require Harry particularly. Okay. Ooh. The right man in the right place. Yeah. Now... Harry is still Harry around that fact, but (laughs) (laughs) Harry just sort of exists and the plot resolves kind of thing as opposed to, but, but it was, I guess it was more just in general to like the over the larger story arc rather than like this specific book. Cause I do remember that Harry actually almost functionally does something in this book. Um, (laughs) More or less. Man, that's a quote right there. I kind of remember that Harry does something almost functional in this book. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, One thing I continually keep forgetting is that Hedwig is female, Mm -hmm. which makes certain lines really confusing to me the first time I read them. (laughs) Particularly one here of where Harry's having a conversation with Hermione. And the next line is, she nibbled his ear in an affectionate sort of way. Plot twist. I mean, if it was Ginny, then like... I'm reading that going, man, this book took a turn. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm with it. Oh, right, Hedwig's female. Now I understand again. It's like, all right. Maybe Uh, maybe a few more proper nouns in there, JK. Yes. Uh, I mean, at least she wasn't a cat at this point. Sure. Uh, The Dursley's gift is, again, lovely. I love that they're paying loyal more in postage than they are for the gift, but messages need to be sent. Mm -hmm. They send him like a toothpick this year, right? I think yep. so. It's something very petty. Yeah. Uh, one thing I made a note of in this chapter, once we got physical descriptions of the two guys that Harry and Ron turn into, is that, well, I was, I was looking at that going, oh, of course the villains are ugly, but then I sort of realized to myself, you know what, thinking, about, about, thinking back about the descriptions of all the characters, everyone in this book is kind of funny looking. No one's really, like, you know, stereotypically attractive or the hero kind of persona, except for Lockhart, and he stands out because he is, and it's being stereotyped all hell. Everyone else is kind of, you know, realistically unique or a bit odd in their appearance. And I, just, I finally just kind of realized that when they were describing the villains. There were some book readers that were real unhappy about how the actors eventually portrayed the 
characters in the movies and very unhappy about Hermione wasn't Hermione. They didn't mm-hmm. know that Emma Watson was going to become Emma Watson. <laughs> yeah. And we're kind of unhappy that she didn't have to wear makeup to hide the fact that she is. Yeah. Hmm. Well, one thing I always find particularly horrific in fiction are descriptions of transformation scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one did not, I suppose the word might be disappoint in that regard, <laughs> in the sense that I was outright repulsed about them going into the detail about their bones melting, realigning, and everything else that resulted from. I was physically uncomfortable. You don't uh, like Kafka? No, I don't, in a lot of ways. <laughs> well written, but no. Uh, we see here the clear advantage of when you're trying to, try, trying to masquerade as someone else, there is an advantage to playing an idiot. That you can get away with a lot when the person you're portraying yourself as is stupid. Because any confusion you have just kind of plays into that story very well. If anything, you're adding to the role-playing. And it helps them out a lot, because they, they mess up a lot. But it's easily written off in the fact that Crab and Goyle, mm-hmm. the two of mm-hmm. them, are just morons. And Draco Malfoy is very used to them just being morons. Uh, we get to see Percy again, and it's just for the, pretty much the sole purpose to, to show that he is prideful as all shit. Because apparently he's convinced that he can just stalk the halls alone, because the mere fact that he's a prefect makes him sh- immune to otherworldly monstrous creatures. So Percy might be my least favorite character, like, below Malfoy, by a significant uh, amount. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of in, in, in terms of just the characterization, or just not as well written, or... Oh, mix, just, mix just who he is. Just, just like, him <laughs> gotcha. as a character. Like, sure, he's the, the writing about him is fine and stuff like that, but, like, he doesn't have the excuse of being brought up in the Malfoy household. He doesn't, like, he has... So far, he has essentially no redeeming factors other than he's unpleasant, and it, yeah. you know, and good at at being a prefect. I guess sorry, as a, a redeeming factor, but like otherwise, he's just kind of like big headed and unpleasant. Well, buckle up for the next like four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Consistent character. <laughs> All right, a c- couple last thoughts from me. Uh, good God, is the shit hit the fan for the Weasleys? Uh, I don't know the exact rate of conversion in this world, but 50 galleons seems like a hell of a lot of money from what we've seen before from their bank vault. Well, theirs, seems... not Harry's. Well, yeah, Harry could pay off this, pay this off in a heartbeat, but, you know, Harry will never think of doing that. That thought will never cross Harry's head. Instead, we see their bank vault had just a couple silver coins in it from last we heard, so... Fifty galleons seems like it's just bankruptcy numbers. Not not great, but no, we we do that. know about the the room under the drawing room floor now. Yeah, we do know about this little secret that could you know redeem himself. Particularly since Lucius Malfoy seems like he played an integral role in bringing about this fine and punishment. Mm-hmm. Also, didn't know that Lucius Malfoy was a governor of the school. That could have implications going forward. Does governor um, just sort of mean that he donates a bunch of money? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's That's on like, the, the board of trustees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malfoy is now... Spending a little bit of time with Malfoy has shown me that he's both different and more evil than I thought. Uh, different in the sense that I didn't expect him to be content to be playing second banana when it came to the hair of Slytherin. <laughs> um, but he seems to be okay with the... What? Just, I, I've never heard second banana before, but I like it. Okay. Uh... Man, I feel like I feel like I just continually make old timey references that are just not working. Okay. Oh, they're uh, they're working, Spencer. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> All right. 
Um, but he's totally okay with the fact that he could, could be in just a supporting role to the heir of Slytherin, which I wasn't really expecting. I didn't think his ego would allow that. What also caught me off guard is that he's also totally okay with students literally dying, or even helping them die. The statements he makes about Hermione are just so sadistically vengeful for reasons that seemingly have no justification at all. I mean, what has she done to piss him off so much that he continually drops her name as being someone he wants literally dead? I don't know. But I knew a lot of these kids in this world were particularly evil and content with violence, but it caught me off guard how much he's just looking forward to finding her dead before him. Uh, and finally for me, because i got a whole list of questions we'll go into later, but I very much view the image we have of Hermione at the end in semi-cat form as being Michael Jackson's Werecat and Thriller. <laughs> that's the image I've got in my mind, and from the description here, I don't think that's that far off either. Yeah, no, very, very furry. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that wraps up my uh, newbie's notes, and I've got about four or five questions, but let's go into house points first. All right, well, I think we have a clear, easy loser this chapter. Um, mm-hmm. Hermione has had a bad day. Hermione has had a very bad yeah. day, which was a shame because she was building up to a very successful good day. One of her plans was going to work out great. Yeah, she had a lot of triumphs um, in in this episode, but uh, I would say that turning up as a half cat at the end of the day negates all of them. Um, you know, as yeah. as for who is winning the house points this chapter. Um, a little bit more difficult. Uh, honestly, out of everyone that we see, not unrelated to Hermione's bad day, I think Myrtle did okay today. She had, <laughs> Myrtle had a good day. She had visitors. I, she, I feel like she Myrtle hung out is, with is one of them. kind of like Snape, where it's just like, I'm okay being around people, but mostly if they're having a bad day. Yes. Um, and Hermione had a bad day. <laughs> Hermione had a very bad day, and you know, previously Myrtle's usually the one that's being picked on by the various other ghosts. Mm-hmm. Or what's the name of that um, of that poltergeist? Oh, again? Peeves the poltergeist. Yes. Oh yeah, she was very much serving the role of Peeves here that Peeves was previously doing to Myrtle, and she was having fun doing it. Yeah. Um. So good day, good day for her. Yeah. Uh, can I offer a runner-up in the form of Fox? Because I think you know having a nice <laughs> flaming flaming new body is a good way to start a day. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I think Fox probably had a good day as well. I also like when Dumbledore comes in and Harry's trying to apologize profusely to him. He's like, "Oh, it's about time." He's been looking terrible. Yeah. Um, so questions. What do we got? Uh, how often are passwords changed? Uh, pretty frequently. Okay. Pretty frequently. It depends a little bit. Um, I think. It depends a little bit on the the whims of whatever is guarding the the door. Um, our Gryffindor um, password portrait likes to change them pretty regularly. Uh, other other unclear on kind of other things, but like they're they're changed pretty regularly. So I was like I was talking about the Ron and Harry should have gone and investigated where the entrance to the Malfoy common rooms are. It seemed like they should also try to find the password, but it seems like also that they change enough that you can't know it that much in advance and have it really be useful to you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I also think that uh, you know without well, yeah, I I think that um, part of the problem with going to investigate where the Slytherin common room is in the first place is that it seems pretty clear from this chapter that the common rooms of the individual houses are like in relatively remote parts of the castle that make Mm -hmm. it pretty suspicious to be 
just kind of hanging around. Or you can be Percy and... And just wander. Although I will say that there was like a disconcerting lack of remembering that um, one of our main characters has an invisibility cloak. Yeah. They were dead set on the Polyjuice Potion. <laughs> they just wanted to make that shit happen. They were proud of themselves. It's kind of kind of a target fixation kind of thing. Yeah. Well, but kind of only Harry can go. Like, we have had, like, the Harry and Ron, you know, three children in a trench coat kind of thing. But, like, yeah. that clearly didn't work well. And so the likelihood that they would just, like, randomly overhear the necessary information that they didn't really get. I mean, they only sort of got... Um, but they needed to be able to ask the questions. Right. I mean, I guess they could have pretended to be a ghost and something. <laughs> I don't know. Is there... I'm very iffy about how punishments work at the school, because they, se- they seem somewhat arbitrary, but is there a measure of punishment that it would be inflicted on them if they were found in the Slytherin common room? By McGonagall or somebody <laughs> in Slytherin, or by Dumbledore, who... Yeah. Is it against the rules? Yes. Yes, it's very against the rules. Um, I, you know, but I, I, it always seems to just be detention. <laughs> and losing points. Yeah. Like, those are the main enforcement mechanisms that happen. So which would Hermione want less? Detention or point loss? Mm, I feel like point loss is more public. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which seems like she would be more averse to point loss. Whereas detention, there is a possibility that she is going to be set to do something that she wouldn't mind doing in the first place. <laughs> Point loss also has a certain comparison to grading. And yes. I can't imagine that she would tolerate losing points in that, in that way. Yeah. Uh, next question. Yes. What's exploding snap? Because there's no information other than it's just sort of said. <laughs> It's true. They just kind of drop it right there, don't they? Yeah, it mm-hmm. comes up. Um, it comes up at other times. I don't know if we ever get a real good description of it because now I am trying to decide if I think that it is a type of card game like Uno or a very dangerous version of Tiddlywinks. <laughs> oh, okay. I had not seen it that light. Actually, sounds like it'd be fun. Yeah, I, I think I tried to look it up and then got a little bored with trying to look it up, but it was just a very frustrating, like, all right, what, you've described <laughs> other things, like the chocolate frog cards, and, and they have some interest behind them, but you're just going to name drop a proper noun of a game that could be literally anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we get a lot of that going forward, which I can understand why you would find that frustrating. I find it a little charming because it feels like I'm an insider to the world, even if I'm lost. Gotcha. I feel like Spencer's going to enjoy that too. <laughs> eh, it's enjoy. It, it it adds a little bit of rounding to the world. Uh, question for me, and this may just be my memory at work, but have we heard what Azkaban is is previously? <laughs> no, we have not. This is the first um, introduction that we get to it. Is uh, Malfoy saying that whoever had opened the Chamber of Secrets before was sent to Azkaban? Um, and Harry is confused about it, has not heard of it, and gets it explained a little bit to him, although like pretty unsatisfyingly at this point, uh, is just the wizard prison. Um, we learn much more about Azkaban later. Is this like a prison run by the Ministry of Magic? Mm-hmm. or 
Okay. Yeah, so it is an official official prison. wizard prison. Yes. So Spencer, I okay. will tell you that there is the title of a book of Harry Potter. In fact, the that, next one that we will be reading. That that might lend itself to maybe answering this question. Which which, which is the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, all right. Is it is it this guy? No, so, different prisoner. Oh, okay. We meet several prisoners who have been. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would imagine more than a few villains have been shuffled off there over the yeah, years. Yeah, have had more than a passing knowledge of Azkaban. Oh, I didn't realize that each house had a house ghost. Yeah. It's, let's see here, it's Nearly Headless Nick mm-hmm. is the one for Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. It's um, the Bloody Baron for Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we haven't met the other two. I think we've, yeah. we've seen Hufflepuffs it just very much in passing. Yeah, I think of the Death Day it, it, celebration. Yeah, it, the, the it, Fat Friar. Is it like a priest? Or mo- yeah. yeah it's a- mm-hmm. um, but I don't think we've even seen Ravenclaws yet. Yeah. And I don't know is that we one? do. There is one, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the Grey Lady. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so, so the reason that, that I, I noticed this is I was, one of the other questions I had was, so there are these four houses um, mm-hmm. that are sort of specific to Hogwarts, but we also know that there are other schools but presumably, they don't have the same houses within those schools. Correct. Are there other houses? Uh, yes, there are. I don't know all that much about them, but... Um, Fair enough. I believe that you can also get yourself sorted into houses from uh, <laughs> other other magical schools <laughs> if, on Pottermore. It, <laughs> it would be the best thing ever if the sorting hat was like, you're a transfer student now. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's see who this is. And Bulgaria. Nice. Go. <laughs> no, you, you need to leave now. Bye. Yeah, was, uh, that is a good question to ask me, Joe. I was kind of curious whether they were like a fraternity effect, or where they were an international organization of some sort. But Yeah, no. I was I was wondering, and then I realized that like Slytherin and Ravenclaw and such like essentially founded Hogwarts, and so it would make sense that they were like specific to Hogwarts as opposed to um, elsewhere. So, yeah. Interesting. Spencer? You know, honestly, I think that's good by me. All right. Well, another chapter in the books, and we are up to um, the lucky chapter. Chapter 13, The Very Secret Diary. (laughs) What the hell is that picture? (laughs) Well, it seems to be uh, a sort of bald, pudgy man with wings and a harp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with little little hearts seeming to come out of his mouth and remarkably hairy legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably having to do with Valentine's Day. He also has a heart tattoo on his shoulder. Again, probably Valentine's Day. <laughs> gotta okay. Gotta keep up with the use. He's a little liar. Oh, well done. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> well, y'all, this has been fun. Looking forward till next week. Mm-hmm.